You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie, and in the studio with me is Mark Bird from Revive Ohio. Hello. Hey, Angie, we're back. We are back. We're in a series all about prayer. We're taking a little bit of a different turn today, Mark, because we're going to talk about the armor of God, because prayer is one piece of that armor. Yes, one piece of the armor, isn't it? One piece, but it is a very important piece. So recently I preached a sermon, and I used the armor of God and my military training. You know, I never thought I would use my Marine Corps training (laughs) for anything, much less putting it into a sermon. But God just downloaded this amazing message to me. So I wanted to go over some of it with you today. Yes. And I welcome that, Angie. And I'm thinking about this, Angie. Well, why not, right? God uses all things in our lives for his glory. That's exactly what I said. But it just made me chuckle because how would my military training, like I got to throw a grenade Wow. In, in boot camp. And I thought that was pretty cool. But when will I ever have an opportunity to throw another grenade? <laughs> Amen. Don't hand me a grenade. Not but a I physical do... one, but no, a spiritual that's one. That's right. right. I do know how to throw a grenade, though, just in case you hand me one. Yeah. But don't. Right. <laughs> so the whole thing was based around this book that we receive in boot camp. Mm. Because in boot camp, you get a lot of physical training and military training and things, but you also sit in class. Oh, And in the class, you go through this essential subjects book. Here's what the 13 chapters are. Wow. Okay. First of all, the code of conduct, military justice, and the law of war. That's chapter one. Number two, Marine Corps history, customs and courtesies, close order drill, military security, first aid and field sanitation, uniform clothing and equipment, physical fitness, nuclear, biological and chemical warfare, marksmanship, individual technical measures, security and military information, substance abuse, and land management. Sounds to me a lot like what our Bible gives us. It does. I think about land management when Abraham was just wandering in the land of Canaan and God says, this is yours. There's so much that I saw as a parallel. Listen, even in the beginning of this book, the first thing it says is every Marine's manual of vital skills, history, and knowledge. Oh, wow. So the Bible is basically our manual for vital skills, history, and knowledge. Would you agree? And King David said, he teaches my hands to war. There you go. See? Here's an interesting portion. They start off this manual with these articles. They are code of conduct articles. And for instance, the first one says, I am an American fighting man. I serve in the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. And I love that after this, then they give like the same thing in in an interpretation, which I'm not going (laughs) to bore you with, but I thought it was funny that they interpret something that's very simple to read. Article two says, I will never surrender to my own free will. If in command, I will never surrender my men while they still have means to resist. You know, there's plenty of stories about Marines fighting their way out. Chosen Reservoir is one of them, where they fight because they still have the means to do it. Article 6 is where I'm jumping down to. It says, I will never forget that I am an American fighting man responsible for my actions and dedicated to the principles which made my country free. I will trust in my God, with a capital G, and in the United States of America. When I read these articles, you know what I thought of? We could do the same thing as a Christian. Would you Amen. like to hear the Christian 
code of conduct that I wrote? <laughs> yes, because I'm on the edge of my seat. Honestly, I am. Okay, here you go. I am a Christian, a follower, and disciple of Christ Jesus. I am responsible for my own actions before God. I am obedient in every command set forth in his inspired word. I serve in the forces which guard against the enemy of my faith that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy my belief in and my service to the one true God, maker of the universe and giver of my very life. I am prepared to give my life in service to God as his mighty warrior, fighting with the weapons of warfare he has given me and taking authority over the principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness in the name of and under the banner of my Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Woo! Doesn't that make you just want to yeah, stand up and go, hot, enlist man. me. Let's yes, do it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and like Paul told Timothy, as a good soldier, right? Yes. You are to entangle yourself with this fight of good fight of yeah. faith. It just makes me want to stand up and do the old Marine Corps. Oorah, you know? <laughs> Amen. But unlike Marines, like I was trained, our fight is spiritual. Yes. It's in the spiritual realm. There is no physical thing. There is no way little meek little me is going to be able to fight. No, it is a spiritual thing. And we need to put on our armor of God, which is right into Ephesians chapter six. And Angie, in Ephesians chapter six, that armor that Paul's talking about is spiritual armor, right? It's not physical things that he's telling us to put on. It's spiritual things. Yes, absolutely. And it starts right off in verse 10. I go through from 10 to 18. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we have to understand that we have this power on our side already. And it's that word kratos, which is the divine authority, his dominion and his majesty. It specifically means God's authority. Yes. So we have to remember that we have this incredible power. You know, there's a lot of different words in Greek that go for the word power. Right. But this is specifically authority, Mm. which has been given to us. Yep. And so that's why it says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So if we capture that first thought right off the bat, then we're standing good. The next part was... That we have been given the power, and I give examples when I did my sermon, I gave examples from Luke chapters 9 and 10 about how the disciples went out in this power. They preached the word and they healed people. It was incredible. But he says in verse 11 of Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may withstand the wiles of the evil. When I was in the service, we had to put on everything. We had to put on the whole military uniform because Ah. every piece had an important piece. And you know what else? We had to stand inspection to make sure that we were fully armed. There was nothing that could be left behind. You were not going if you didn't have it all. Wow. So why, if we are soldiers in God's army, do we walk out of the house or even walk, get out of bed without the full armor of God? And he says it even twice, the whole armor. He doesn't say, just a piece of armor. No, it is the whole armor because we have to stand up against the wiles of the devil and the wiles of the devil come in very, very subtle sometimes. Yes, they do. They don't always come in a red suit and a Mm -hmm. pitchfork. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so he goes on to say in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You know, I feel like a lot of times 
we go around and we are oblivious. Do you remember when we used to have bomb shelter drills? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember as a kindergartner going to the very depths of the school where we were supposed to go. And I know that I've seen videos of people doing air raids and getting under desks and things like that. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of their enemy. Yes. And we walk around like there's no enemy. I know, right? But back in those days when people actually experienced war on their soil, they knew that if the enemy came, they had to hide. Yes. And they had to take tactical measures. Nowadays, we don't have that. We're living a comfy life here in America. We're free. And we forget that every day there's a spiritual battle going on around us. So can I keep going? Oh, please do. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Oh, look, he says it again, Mark. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done this to stand. When's the evil day, Mark? Today. Yeah. Tomorrow, right? Every day going forward. And do you see how... Over the years, Satan is taking a little bit more and a little bit more. He is, that's his MO. That's what he wants to do. And the evil day, it started. Yeah. And it's going to get worse. You know, back to that, that whole thing about being a a prisoner of war, you know, back to the military thing, when a prisoner was taken in war, they could only say name, rank, date of birth, and serial number. that's right. That was it. No matter what kind of torture they were going through, they could, that was all that they could say. They were in the midst of an evil yeah. the enemy that wanted to take them out, but they wanted information. My thing is, we are in that evil day. Satan's trying to take information. The more we talk about things that aren't of God, the right. more we're giving him information. And I don't want any of them demons to know my business. And I'm hearing that, Angie, and I'm thinking, you know what? All I can give you is my identity, which is in Christ Jesus. That's right. That is your weapon, as you can say. I'm a child of God. Absolutely. All right. He keeps on going and he says, stand. You know the scripture that says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right. That to me is standing. It is. You stand your ground. You got your feet spread apart. You are in that stance. Right. No matter what kind of wind or Anything comes at you. You know, when we were Marines, we were taught to stand in yeah. a very strong stance. It's your posture. Yes. And our posture doesn't always have to be physical. It could exactly. be spiritual. spiritual posture. <laughs> so stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, I've heard a couple of people say this is the belt of truth. And I've also heard it said that the belt was the main part of the armor and it held all the other pieces. Together, right? Yes. So when I was in the military, we had this thing called a rucksack. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures, but these rucksacks are about the size of, they're about four feet tall when they're full. And you can fill that thing with so much stuff. I actually showed a video during my sermon of all the things this one guy put in his rucksack. They are like carrying a little human around when you put them on your back. Now, you would think that would hurt your back, right? Right. But it does not because it has a belt that goes around your hips so that the weight of the rucksack sits on your hips and not on your back. So that belt of truth for me, that made sense. Right. Because that whole rucksack with all of the necessities hung on my waist. Wow. But also, you know that our belt, our waist, it says here, gird your waist. Yes. Do you know our core is the strength of our body. Yes, it is. And when our core is not strong, we get back issues. We get all kinds of issues. Our hips hurt and everything down to our legs. Our core is the strength of our body. And so we have to make sure 
that we're girding our waist. We're making sure that that is strong. Now, that's a physical and a spiritual thing, girding your waist with truth. Right, with truth. I love that because that's the center point is God's truth. It's God's truth about who we are. Mm -hmm. It's God's truth about what he's given us for protection, like this armor, right? And then it's the truth about prayer. And Mm -hmm. like, here's the weapon that I've given you. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. How do you connect with that power? Yeah, You got to plug into it. And I, I love the visual even of taking truth in our hands and just bringing it to our stomach Ooh. because you're like, I'm holding it. It's strong right here, you know? Holding on to it. And, and that just was a great visual for me. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Nowadays, we don't necessarily wear a breastplate, but you will see people in the military or law enforcement wearing a Flat bulletproof, yeah. yes, a bulletproof vest, because that's protecting vital organs. Exactly right. Your heart is the source of your blood flowing your, through your body, and the lungs are your very breath. Right, yes. And so you have to be sure those are protected. And so when he says to put on that breastplate, you're protecting your heart and your breath that God has given you, and you want to make sure that no matter what happens— your breastplate is on. Amen. But it says it's the breastplate of righteousness. So where does our righteousness come from? From Christ. Yeah. Got to know that. That's it. That's an, See, a lot of this is belief, mm-hmm. right? You've got to believe in the power. You've got to believe all of these things in the truth of God right. over every other truth that's thrown out there that's not really truth because it's not from God. Exactly. And you got to believe that your righteousness comes from God. It's not something that we can do. But Jesus Christ gave us that. That's it. And so when we put on that breastplate that protects us, we are putting Jesus on our chest and saying, he's protecting our vital organs. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, so good, Angie. The visual, I absolutely love of that. And I I went into Romans 5.17 that talked about that he is our righteousness. Right. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why didn't he say, just put your shoes on? Do you know what shod means? I think shod means covered, like protected, because armor is protection. <laughs> right. And I think shod means kind of covered or protected. So in my mind, I have a horse. Ah. And I shoe that horse. And it just so happens that when I preach this, my friend who also rides horses with me, I said, what's a shod horse? And she said, that's when they put strong shoes on the bottom and you nail them in with these very long nails that are about eight of them that goes into a horse's shoe and it protects their feet. Now you're not getting those things off, right? but those shoes are put on so tight that that horse isn't going to lose it unless it's an extreme circumstance. So when he says to shoe, you basically having shod your feet, you're not just putting on shoes, you're nailing that to your feet, right? And he's saying the preparation of the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace being the word of God, the kingdom of God, all of that, all the word, the good news. But he says to shoe your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So my thing is, how do we prepare and this goes back to what we've been talking about for weeks. How do we prepare? Well, we got to be with God. We've got to be in the word. We've got to be praying. All of those things prepare us 
for the gospel of peace. But not only that, we have to shoo it to That's us. Good. We have to nail it to us. It has got to be a permanent and strong. And what I hear you saying, Angie, it becomes a part of the foot. It does. Absolutely. It's not just put on where right. it can be easily taken off. Right. No, this needs to stick. Right. This needs to be a major thing for us. It's got to be nailed to our hearts, basically. Right. So preparing the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is such strong words. Get that word of God inside of you. Make it part of you. That's good. Goes on to verse 16. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Have you ever watched those movies where you have all of the soldiers on the wall and they say, loose, and thousands of arrows <laughs> right? go flying? And I right. think, how does anybody survive that? Well, right. you know what they do? They put up a shield. shield. And they do it as a wall. There's a whole wall of shields, and it protects all of them. That's amazing. And those shields were sometimes the size of a person. They were yep. big. Or if they had someone who was a higher up in the ranks, they had somebody else that was holding their shield. But that shield was their protection. So when that fiery dart from the enemy comes at you, you just throw up your arm and say, uh-uh, That's right. it's not coming at me. I'm going to hold that up. That to me is strength because you think about where your arm is when you hold up your shield. You are breaking that fiery dart from entering your space. Amen. That is your strength. And that comes, obviously, comes from God. And that fiery dart is always going to be flying at you. Always. Constantly. All of them always trying to do that. But the shield of faith is there to quench it. And, you know, we think about faith. The shield of faith only works when you have the faith. Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> so those fiery darts, no matter how many of them come at you, you have to keep going back to the word of God and say, but this is truth. That's and it. this is what I know. And you can't let your faith be shattered. You got to keep holding up that shield and say, nope, nope, nope. I'm exactly. not, I'm not listening to it. Because it says in verse 16 that you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts. All, yes, all of them. And they can't have an effect when you put your shield up. Right. Verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation. When we were in the military, those helmets were pretty darn heavy. Mm. And, you know, even in Vietnam, when they were riding in helicopters, they sat on their helmets oh, wow. to protect themselves from getting shot from underneath. Okay. So those helmets are pretty darn safe and they protect the head. Where does the enemy like to invade? Right. He likes or it to, does the most damage, right? right in our minds. Mm, and if we so put good. on that helmet of salvation, remembering that we are God's child, we have been given that salvation. And that salvation, we can literally put it on our heads like a helmet. And we are protected from those, again, wiles of the enemy. Those thoughts that come up, we can say, no. Because my salvation says this. Right. Jesus says this. He is. And you know what? The enemy wants you to think you've lost your salvation. That's right. He wants to rob you of your identity. That's and so your good. identity is wrapped up in your salvation. Yes, it is, Angie. And so even when Jesus, after he had fasted for 40 days in Luke chapter 4, in verse 3, even when Satan was tempting him, he started out with, if you are the son of God. Yes, he did. He tried to put doubt into the mind 
of Jesus. He tried and to attack his identity right off the right bat. Right off the bat. And he does the same for us every single day. He does the same to us every day. And so after we take up the helmet of salvation, it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God, right from John 1, 1, is Jesus. It is. And he is our everything. But the sword of the spirit, when we have Jesus, we have that spirit. Right. And that power, back to that power, is such a mighty weapon for us. It is. And when we swing those swords, I'm telling you, those swords, they're sharp. Amen. And you can't mess around. They cut things. Right. Think about Peter cutting off that servant's ear. One fail swoop, right? That spirit is Jesus, and it lives in us, and we have that power. Once again, his blood, his name, that's where we get the power from. All right, finally, you ready for verse 18? I am. <laughs> I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat, by the way. Jesus is still I, I good. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, I've, I've shared my personal testimony about how God has changed the way that I pray. Yeah. I pray from a position of authority, from a position of victory. I don't ask him. Yes, I do ask him things, but I ask him to be faithful. Amen. Because he's already doing And he already told us to ask, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. But there's a really important thing here. Not only did Jesus model it for us, going and getting into his deserted places and praying all night long, he's modeled this for us so much that when he modeled it, the disciples got curious and said, teach us to pray. Right. Right. It really drew them in. So now I'm like, teach me to pray. Teach me to have effective prayers. He says, being watchful to the end, to this end with all perseverance That's it. and supplication. This is the key. Perseverance. It is. Do you know, let's go to Luke chapter 11, verses five through 13. This is where he is telling the parable of the friend. If the friend comes to you at night and says, he's got a friend that just showed up and he needs provision. Right. And you're, his friend is like, no, no, I'm not opening the door. We're already in bed. But if you persist, your friend will open, not because he's your friend, but because you were persistent. persistent. Yep. And Jesus is saying to us, we need to be persistent. You know, when we pray, again, it's not about so much asking God for him to do this thing right? because he has already given us that charge. He's already given us that power and that authority. We need to stand and continue to fight with our prayers. The persistence comes in continuing to do it, continuing to knock on the door every time. And we've talked about this in past shows. Every time we pray, something's happening. Yes. Something in the spiritual world, those enemies are being defeated. And sometimes they have a bigger stronghold. We need to just keep praying harder and longer and more. We just need to keep fighting and being persistent and perseverance. Even Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance right. in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. They were persistent. They continued to pray over these things. So many times we are microwave minded. Mm, that's good, Angie. We want to pray at once and it be done because God's got the power. Right. Well, sure he does. But he wants us, because we have been given that authority in Jesus' name, to continue to do it over and over and over. And you will see strongholds being broken because he told us, I've given you the power to trample on serpents' heads. Even Jesus, the way he started out was 
giving sight to the blind and making the lame walk and the oppressed to be free. This is our charge as well. We can continue to carry this forward again, being those obedient warriors, remembering that our persistence in the fight. Do you know D-Day? Yes. When they invaded Normandy Normandy, to release them from the Germans, they call it D-Day. It didn't take one day. You realize that, right? Oh, yeah. It took months. Right. And do you realize that the planning of that strategic maneuver took months and years? Do you think that those guys were persistent? It didn't happen in a day. Right. If you watch Saving Private Ryan, you're going to know it. (laughs) That's right. Right. And even that's just a movie. But the stuff that they went through, those guys were persistent. Right. Running through the battlefield, running in the midst of bullets, charging up that hill. They persisted. And some of them reached the top and saw victory. Right. We need to do the same thing. Persistence. Again, when you're in a war, we're not trying to win the war, Mark, because Jesus already won that war. He already won the war. Military people don't go out and win wars. They win battles. battles. Right. And we are in battles. So, Angie, I want to take that persistence or that perseverance thing that you talked about in verse 18. I want to take it back up to verse 16 for just a second. Okay. Because it's talking about the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So do you think you just have to raise your shield one time? Oh, no. No, you have to persistently (laughs) and consistently raise that shield because you think the enemy's only going to take one shot. No. No. He's going to... He's persevering in his side of it, right? Right. And so that is why Paul is calling us to persevere. And you know what? You're going to have to raise that shield up. Is that thing going to get heavy, Angie? Uh, It's going to get heavy, right? And sometimes we do feel battle-worn. That's okay. Right. But God's our strength. He's our fortress. He is our strong tower. Come on. There's some more military things for you. There sure is, right? Yeah. So I wanted to just remind people, it's real. The war is real. It is. And we can't just turn a blind eye. Right. That enemy is out to kill and steal and destroy us. Yeah. You, me, yeah. them. And he is not giving up. He's going to take as many as he can. And you may be thinking, well, I'm pretty good. I go to church on Sunday. Right. But are you putting on that whole armor? Because if you're putting on that whole armor, which includes our biggest piece of armor, which is that prayer piece. Right. If you're not doing that, I'd be wondering. Well, and I used to say a lot, Angie, I haven't said this in a long time, but I used to say, if you think you're safe just sitting on your porch and watching life go by, just know this, that the dog will come on your porch and he will bite you. And the proof of that is that we have an adversary who Peter told us walks about like a roaring lion Mm -hmm. looking for what? Only people who are not on their porches? No. (laughs) No, right? He is going to come, and he is going to come on your porch. And here's the key. Are you ready for when he comes on your porch? Right. No other time has it been so important to have our armor on. Because, again, back to the evil day. Yes. It's it's time. It's time to grab your shield of faith and your belt of truth. And it's time to grab your helmet of salvation. You got to get armored up. Yeah. Because this is war. You better know who you are. And if you are waiting around for that war to start, when it started, you're going to be on the other side like, where's my armor? And it's going to be harder. That's right. I mean, don't get caught off guard is my point. Yeah. So there you go. That's my armor of God. 
Woo! Be a mighty warrior. <laughs> Amen. I knew this needed to come out today, Angie. I know that there's lots of people out there listening to this, and they needed to hear it today, because I think we all need to hear it, Angie. Yeah. I know I did. I did. I did. When God gave it to me, I was like, wow, that's that's my military training. Amen. Hey, and once a Marine, always a Marine, and hey, I'm down for the fight on God's army. There Woo-hoo. you go. So that scripture that we were reading was Ephesians chapter 6, and it was verses 10 through 18. Lots of supporting material, which I suppose would be great to include, I guess, on right, our podcast. in the notes, right. In the notes. But also, when I finished the sermon, I played the prayer scene from the war room. Ooh. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it's on YouTube. The final prayer scene where she's saying, rise up, rise them up, Lord, rise them up, you know, and that's what I'm praying for people. Oh, that's such a great scene at the end. But I am praying you, my friends, raise up in the mighty army of God. Amen, Mark. Amen. Well, there you go. That's time to revive. (laughs) We'll be back next week with more on prayer. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at ShineFMOhio.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.